From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome once again to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns will continue this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Heavenly Wealth. The text is Psalm 84 and verse 11. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Many pleasing things the Lord may withhold, but no good thing. He is the best judge of what is good for us. Some things are assuredly good, and these we may have for the asking through Jesus Christ our Lord. Holiness is a good thing, and this he will work in us freely. Victory over evil tendencies, strong tempers, and evil habits he will gladly grant, and we ought not to remain without it. Full assurance he will bestow, and near communion with himself, and access into all truth, and boldness with prevalence at the mercy seat. If we have not these, it is from want of faith to receive and not from any unwillingness of God to give. A calm, a heavenly frame, great patience and fervent love, all these will he give to holy diligence. But note well that we must walk uprightly. There must be no cross-purposes and crooked dealings, no hypocrisy nor deceit. If we walk foully, God cannot give us favors, for that would be a premium upon sin." The way of uprightness is the way of heavenly wealth, wealth so large as to include every good thing. What a promise to plead in prayer. Let us get to our knees. King of glory here, who 
Pastor A.W. Tozer was one of the spiritual giants of the 20th century. A self-made scholar with an insatiable hunger for the deep things of God, he was known to often burn the midnight oil in his study, seeking a more profound experience of his Lord and Savior. His book, The Pursuit of God, is the result of long meditation and much prayer. It is not a collection of sermons. It does not deal with the pulpit and the pew, but with the soul athirst for God. Some of the chapter titles include Apprehending God, The Gaze of the Soul, and Meekness and Rest. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer complete reprints of this timeless devotional help free of charge. For your copy of The Pursuit of God, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your free copy of The Pursuit of God. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he brings the next portion of a message called The Lord of the Harvest. In considering the passage in Matthew 9 and 10, Dr. Cairns has called attention to Christ's perspective as he looked upon the crowds that thronged him. He saw them as precious souls who were in need of the salvation he came to provide, a burden he expects all of his people to bear. His command to the disciples was, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he would thrust forth laborers into his harvest. Since the harvest is the Lord's, he will give it. But we as his people are called to reap what he has prepared. The time for reaping is limited. The great necessity is earnest beseeching prayer for power in proclaiming the gospel. Now to bring the next portion of this message, the Lord of the harvest, Here is Dr. Cairns. What would it profit you if you had everything that men count valuable today? What would it profit you if you reached the heights of all the attainments you think are excellent? What would it profit you if you lose your soul? What would it profit? Think of the harvest. The harvest of the life you're living, what will it be? Be not deceived, Paul says. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's the perspective Christ wants us to have. What will the harvest be? There's another old hymn. 
We may even have it in our hymnal. I'm not quite sure. After the sowing of sin is all done, then there's this repetitive question throughout the hymn. What will your reaping be? Good question. What is the harvest of the life you are now living? What is the harvest of the attitude you now have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel? What is the harvest for what you are doing with Jesus? That's the question. What will your reaping be? One of the most awful texts in all of Scripture is found in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20, where the men of Judah lament, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Bring that into New Testament terms. We are not saved. The summertime of God's moving among souls has come and gone. The summertime when others have been made ready for heaven. The summertime when the influences of grace and gospel were abounding all around me. The summertime of opportunity. The summertime of gospel invitation. The summertime is gone. The harvest, the end of the world is past. We're not saved. I want to tell you, men and women, you'd better get that perspective in time because if you ever live to that stage where the harvest is past and you're still not saved, there's not a preacher to preach to you. And even if there were, there's no conviction of the Spirit of God to apply it. There is no opportunity. There is no invitation. It is eternal damnation. That's the harvest. The Lord Jesus had that in mind. That's the perspective he wants us to have for our own souls. And that's the perspective he wants us to have for the souls of others. As will be clear when you think that not only did he keep his eye on the spiritual state of perishing souls, but as the Lord of the harvest, he instructed his disciples to care for souls. Verse 38 says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There are two great issues that he here commends to us, one of perception and the other of prayer. He instructs us in spiritual perception. He says, See the world as a harvest field. Now, here I will only summarize for the sake of time. I don't know if you've ever stood looking over a harvest field. It is a, a magnificent sight. When you see a field, and I will take it what I was used to in Northern Ireland, uh, your memories, no doubt, will be somewhat different. Although many, perhaps not so different. But as you would look across a, a field of wheat, 
or of corn. And, of course, when I say corn, it's not corn on the cob. It's a different uh, corn entirely. But you see that field turning golden-colored and just moving in the wind. When you look at it, the first thought that hits you is the thought of multitudes. You look across that field and you're struck with the thought of multitudes. On every individual stock, you have so many little ears and they're beyond computation. Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look on the field. There are multitudes. It's very difficult for us to get the idea of the numbers of sinners who need to be saved. What what does a billion people look like? We reel off numbers as if they meant something. Well, no doubt somewhere, someday, they will mean something, but a billion means really nothing to you. I remember as a little boy sitting in a, a Sunday school class and just, you know, with a tiny, maybe you'll tell me it didn't grow too much, but a tiny little mind. Uh, numbers really meant nothing. And I, I had this number in my mind that there might be five million Christians in the world. And I couldn't understand that my Sunday school teacher in a Reformed Presbyterian church it was, that uh, he wasn't altogether enraptured with this revelation that I had had of five million. To me, five million was an immense number. Of course, it meant no more to me than 5,000. Or to be quite honest, at that age, than 500. And I think that's how many of us look at the world. We hear statisticians tell us that there are four or five billion people in the world. What does that mean? I can't envisage that. All I can do is get a picture of that field of green, and it's filled. That's the world. It's filled with men and women. There's not only the idea of multitudes, but the idea of preciousness. The harvest is more precious than gold. You've only got to go to a famine-stricken country to realize that. If it doesn't have a harvest, it doesn't matter what else it has. It's a precious thing. And the Lord Jesus is impressing upon us not only the number of souls, but the preciousness of souls. And he's saying to his disciples, pray for this harvest field of multitudes upon multitudes of individually precious souls. And if one soul is worth more than all the riches of the world combined, how can we begin to estimate the value? of the millions and the billions across the world. When he says, pray for the harvest field, lift up your eyes and look in the field, he's saying that God has prepared souls to receive the gospel. He has produced a harvest. Now let's remember that. We're not sent out in a wild goose chase. The Lord Jesus is not sending us out in a hit or miss exercise. 
The preparations of the heart in man belong to God, and he has prepared a harvest. A farmer goes out to sow his seed. He may have prepared the ground. He may have the best of seed. He may do his work diligently, but unless God does his particular job in mercy, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. It's the Lord who sends the rains at the right time. It's the Lord who sends the heat at the right time. It's the Lord who keeps away the plagues. It's the Lord who does the work that is necessary. It is the Lord who has declared and decreed in Genesis chapter 8 that seed time and harvest will not fail. He's the one who produces the harvest. And when Jesus says, pray for the harvest field, he's saying, I'm the Lord of the harvest, and I have prepared souls to receive the gospel. Do you remember how Paul learned that when he went to the city of Corinth? Can you believe it? Paul was more than a little scared when he went to Corinth. Paul was shaken. He confesses he was full of fear and trembling. And he saw this great city one of the wickedest cities in the history of the world. And then the Lord appeared to him. And here's something for all those Arminians who don't like to think of the sovereignty of God in predestinating grace. Before Paul had ever had a convert, the Lord says, Fear not, Paul. I have much people in this city. I have them. Guaranteeing I have prepared souls and I am preparing souls. The harvest is my production. But there is the thought of the necessity of reaping it. Now the Lord absolute, in absolute terms, doesn't need you and me to save souls. The Lord doesn't need us to do anything. He can do what He wants. But the fact is, He wants and He wills to bring sinners in through the instrumentality of other saved sinners. That's how He works. So there's a necessity of reaping the harvest. One thing you find when you live, as I did for many years in a rural farming community, It's a very limited time to reap the harvest. Certainly that's true in the climes that I grew up in. There was a very limited time to reap the harvest. And that's why from early morning until late at night, you could be going along and you would see the reapers with the headlights on and their machinery. That's late mind. reaping, reaping, reaping. Why? Because they knew the time was brief. And they also knew if the opportunity were lost, the harvest would be lost forever. Men and women, the Lord Jesus Christ not only kept the spiritual needs of men before himself, but he kept them before his people. He instructed us to perceive them like this, and then he instructed us in urgent prayer. Pray, pray, pray 
The first thing a Christian needs to get is a burden to pray for the lost. Before you start witnessing, before you start doing anything, before you think you'll ever be a preacher or a missionary, you've got to be a prayer warrior. And I'll tell you, if you're not willing to pray, don't tell me God has called you to preach or God has called you to be a missionary. God does not send prayerless preachers or prayerless missionaries into the harvest field. They're an abomination. They're a hindrance to the work. He says, pray. When you start praying, God will start sending He might send others. He might send you. He will send you somewhere to witness. For you have some harvesting to do. But he might send you where you've never thought. Throughout my life, my mother prayed. that God would make her son a preacher. There's a story behind that I'll not go into this morning. I never knew that. She never once breathed that prayer or the existence of it to me. That was a wise mother. And God answered her prayer. And I'm here today as an answer to a godly mother's prayer. As I grew up, I started to pray. And as God burdened my heart to pray, then God sent. I don't know what he'll do in your life, but he says, you pray for the harvest. The Lord Jesus wants us to be instructed to care for souls. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at one 864 2442408 that's 18642442408 our email address is info@faithfpc.org that's info@faithfpc.org if you would like to learn more about the free presbyterian church of north america we invite you to visit our website www fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. (laughs) 